it's a journey you never arrive i don't <laughs> you never arrive it's a it's a dance it's a constant uh struggle sometimes you feel like you're there and other times it's as if you're back to what it was when you were that teenager crying begging god to change you it it all depends on the messages you receive that day and the people you have in your life and how affirming they are and how uh, supportive they are and what work you're doing towards your healing it's really a journey but still even when you intellectualize things and you rationalize things or reframe things for yourself um there can still be that underlying sense of shame especially if you're bombarded every day with messages telling you this is where you should be as a man this is where you should be as a man in america this is what you should have this is these are the places you should have gone and visited by now this is how much money you should have in your bank account you know Although I live in the slime and muck of the dark age, although I stumble in the thick black fog of materialism, I still aspire to see it. These are words from Chogyam Trungpa's channeling or download, however you wish to look at it, from the sadhana of Mahamudra. Sadhana, practice, Mahamudra, contemplations on emptiness, the empty nature of existence. I think about this text a lot. Um, There's another quote from it. Good, bad, happy, and sad. All thoughts vanish into emptiness, like a bird's imprint on the sky. There's a lot of Buddhist information within this text if you find a place to download it or are able to read it somewhere. Um, but I think that it's a it's really a portent about these dark ages that we exist in and the hope in humanity, the hope and the grace that we can come to work with, come to see through our efforts. Hey everyone, it's Ren. This is Lauren K. Hickman. Inspired Astrology. Um, welcome to the Space Cast. Welcome here. Welcome into this space. I hope you're well. I hope that you're safe. Um, this week, I have an incredible guest on the show, Mako Montherville, who is a friend of mine, uh, currently living in Florida. Mako uh, identifies as a Black Haitian American gay man. And he is an Aquarius. His birthday actually falls uh, on January 28th, which this year is the full moon in Leo. And this courageous, wonderful soul is going to share a bit about his story. Um, Sharing the things that feel relevant and universal, as Aquarians are wont to do. Um, Holding sacred things for himself um, and really having an opportunity to be vulnerable in a way, uh, especially about um, his identity as a, as a queer male growing up in a Haitian enclave in Florida, um, but also being American, also being a man and all of the things that comes with that. So um, you can find 
Mako on uh, his two Instagram accounts and a very active Twitter life, uh, <laughs> which is, is such a gift. Um, observation, which you can find that um, in the link in the podcast. Um, it looks like observation, <laughs> observation. And uh, the account that we talk about today, Men Who Feel. And this, this account um, started as sort of a, a self-soothing or a filling a gap where things were not being seen online and has quickly built up a, a rather large community. So you can find Men Who Feel on Instagram. Uh, it approaches toxic, toxic masculinity in a very genuine way, a very kind way. And um, I, I love it. I am uh, not male identifying, but I think that the work that Mako is providing for humans out there is, is really impactful and very powerful. So we talk about <laughs> his experience having COVID, um, lots of changes ahead uh, for this young human. Um, and I, ju- I just think it's a beautiful conversation. I'm so excited for you to, to hear it. I was really looking forward to having Mako on and uh, you even get a little little surprise at the end. So this week, the full moon in Leo, um, lots to think about here. You know, 2021, here we are, um, still feels like a continuity of 2020, but this is a five year, 2021, and humanity as a being is considered a five. You think about uh, head and arms and legs, it kind of creates the shape of a five, and Aquarius is the energy of humanitarianism. So I think this is really about collective empowerment, uh, the energy of this week. And I think of, you know, the Leo full moon, this opposition, the axis of identity, that we are all little suns. We are all little bright suns orbiting one another and bringing light and joy and optimism or the opposite, depending on how we work with our personal energy. This is really a time to gather courage. Um, And this is a big week astrologically, let me tell you. So uh, I think, you know, we'll start with the sun energy in Aquarius. We have sun and Jupiter conjunct in what's called a Cassini. It's like a very tight conjunction, only seconds apart, 10 seconds apart in the astrological um, measurement system, so to speak. But you're thinking about the sun in Aquarius. This is the solar uh, celebration of that energy. Uh, It's an air element, the focus on the difference between beliefs and wisdom and knowledge, the sort of mental plane where we navigate. Uh, So I'm not sure if you've kind of switched into a heady mode. I know that I have in the last couple of days. Um, Just a lot of a lot of contemplation on where we've been as a society, where I've been as an individual raised in this society, and the type of future that I would like to cast ahead. Let us not to forget that Aquarius is, is the, the genius thinker, you know, always a, a little bit ahead of its time, 10 years ahead of its time, as my teacher would say. So this is about thinking forward, you know, thinking and imagining and gathering courage, which is the Leo component of this, this week's makeup, um, to, to really engage with our lives. 
So Jupiter's connection with the sun uh, is not only about the expansion of wisdom and blessings and good luck on some levels, it's also about understanding where our excesses have been and what does excess look like in, a, in an air element sign, in a fixed air element sign. Well, where have we been leaking energy because we've been stubborn about our viewpoints, uh, seeking confirmation from news and media and uh, social media, wherever you gather your information um, outside of yourself. You know, if we're constantly confirming uh, our viewpoints, we're lacking perspective. And from where I stand in Milwaukee, perspective is everything in this week's full moon in Leo uh, because it's all playing out in the ninth house of, of other and seeking and philosophy uh, the journey to understand um, and to, to celebrate wisdom as it comes to us. So where you're doing these journeys, you know, how, how you reflect and work with your own process, right? Um, and process is a part of this. Saturn is pretty close to the Sun-Jupiter connection, so um, it's a little... Uh, little triple conjunction here. Saturn's about five degrees away, um, but that, that does give some discipline or some grounding to this work, this concept of process. Processing where you've been excessive, where you can grow and expand, uh, feeling, feeling your blessings. Uh, in Reiki, we talk about this, the, the principles of Reiki, and one of those is, just for today, I accept my many blessings. And I think that's a great reminder to all of us who may be feeling a lot of despair and a lack of hope in this time uh, to really connect in with that energy of blessings. Uh, not, not to shame anyone, you know, about the lack that we're experiencing, but it, it's, it's helpful, I think, for myself personally to shift perspective and to consider what I have rather than what I don't have or what I'm missing out on. But that doesn't make it okay to not, you know, you can feel bad. It's, you're allowed to feel bad right now. You're allowed to feel sad and depressed and limited. Um, that's a big part of what we're all experiencing. So there's nothing wrong with that. But Chogyam Trungpa, just to mention him again, he always said, cheer up. You know, cheer up, cheer yourself up. You know, there's no need to vacation. There's no escaping your life. And so it's best to be where you are, to find presence as you can. Venus and Pluto are in conjunct uh, during this full moon in Capricorn. Um, transforming your values. What is integrity? What? How are you taking care of yourself? How are you taking care of other um, how are you experiencing intimacy right now? Those are some of the questions. Um, Pluto and Venus is it, there's a lot of power there to uh, transform values as well as bringing a magnetism uh, in in regards to attraction. Um, it also can be about self worth stuff. It just depends on how you look at it. But usually conjunctions are about uh, blending those two energies: what I value, how I attract, how I am valuable to others with the deep power and transmutive properties of Pluto. So let's talk about the moon sign here in Leo. A full moon is when the sun and moon are in exact opposition as far as the zodiac signs. And so then we recognize this full moon illumination. It's when the moon is far enough in the exact opposition so that you get that bright fullness. 
And truly it's a time of release because it's an apex, the culmination point of everything that you've been working on since the new moon. Um, and also what, what was happening six months ago. I want to honor that, you know, during Leo sun sign season, we had an Aquarius full moon. So it's appropriate to sit down and maybe reflect on where you were at six months ago and what you were wanting to draw in for yourself, what you were considering back in, in the end of summer. Um, what were you projecting for yourself as far as, um, you know, your, your selfness, your career creativity, your risks, your joy, um, projects, whatever it is, just, just take that in. Leo energy opposite of Aquarius. Again, I mentioned that axis of identity. Leo is about bringing the fullness of self, the fullness of self into spaces. Um, being generous, maybe a little flair for the dramatic, the desire for attention, but there's this solar energy, Leo being ruled by the sun, uh, traditionally in astrology. And so the solar shiny energy of optimism and brightness and color and contrast and, and making a bigger table for everyone to sit down at, right? You know, where there's space for everyone. I mean, some of the shadow qualities of, of Leo is the desire to be the center of attention or being a curmudgeon or withholding of love and joy. But I think of, of Leo when it's at its best, it is an expression of the heart. It really does lead from the good head and shoulders that come with honoring yourself. So gathering courage, honoring yourself, honoring who you are and how you fit into the bigger picture. That's part of the Aquarian perspective. Where do you fit into your community? How are you contributing to your community in a meaningful way? All of this is very important. So the, the, big, the big things for the year, um, Saturn, Square, Uranus, we're gonna have a number of these direct hits. Uh, it's coming, you know, we have one, uh, another direct hit um, February 17th, June 14th, December 24th of this year. So if you have um, fixed signs in your chart, so we're talking Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, or Scorpio, between 7 and 13 degrees. And you can look up your chart on um, astro. or it's astro-charts.com. Um, that's a really easy to read one, astro slash charts.com um, or astro.com, or you can just type in where can I find my astrology information. So knowing if you have like the moon or the sun or any of the personal planets within these fixed signs between 7 and 13 degrees, um, this is going to be a big year for you about uh, reconciling the old and the new. Reconciling the old and the new. The rebellion, the movement forward, the insights, the big picture versus the old restrictive, fear-based, control-based um, structures in play, the, the systems that be. Uh, and that, that's within your own personal makeup. So, you know, if you, if you have any questions about that, feel free to, to sign up for a booking with me. We can talk more about what that looks like. Uh, look up energyinterpreter.com or you can find me on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman. So this um, 
Saturn Uranus squares. So Saturn uh, is in Aquarius and it's square to Uranus in Taurus. So you have a fixed air and a fixed earth sign. So much of this is about uh, how do we how do we revolt forward? How do we rebel forward? How do we shift the system when we're kind of being held in place? It's a it's a very contrasting I suppose is the word you know you have two very different different energy makeups you know one about freedom and space and development and insight and the other one about fear and time and structures and organization um, authority should be an interesting uh, full moon <laughs> let's see chart ruler mercury uh, is in Aquarius as well in the latter degrees yeah, I think so much about this time, uh, you know, revealing ourselves to ourselves, you know, really, really getting in touch with your thought process, uh, ambitions, the things ahead. That's good. Um, Mercury goes retrograde this weekend, January 30th. That's just a, you know, just right ahead of us. Um, Mercury retrograde in pop culture pop astrology culture uh yields a lot of memes some really fun ones i really like the lisa simpson memes the best that come to mercury retrogrades or the freddie mercury retrogrades which are also uh near and dear to my heart let's think about this right you know so we have mercury who's the messenger that moves uh, between space and time the underworld and the above world you know so that's the subconscious and the superconscious. what as above so below uh, Mercury is a very malleable planet. Uh, it is easily influenced by any planet that has uh, any other aspects or planet that has connections with. Um, in the full moon chart, it is pretty much unaspected. Uh, it's conjunct the midheaven uh, from where I stand in Milwaukee. So this is like a very thinky pain type of time. Uh, Mark Marin, I love that quote, thinky pain. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> so let's think about... Um, you know, Mercury retrograde, we know the last one was around the election cycle. I think we all were very aware of that. Like, oh, what does it mean? What's it going to do? So when Mercury goes into retrograde, there's no need to dramatize of, you know, we're waiting for mail to stop showing up, people not showing up to appointments, canceling things, forgetting things. This is really a, an opportunity to go in and think about all of the Mercury-related stuff. You know, do you have to go over some old documents? Is there... Uh, something that you're supposed to write that you didn't get done, a letter that didn't get sent. On a larger scale, I think that Mercury is going to reveal to us a lot of things that we may not have been aware of um, during the last six months. Um, I mean, I was just seeing some headlines today about how Fauci was, um, was silenced. A, a lot of the times they weren't allowed uh, to get out in the media and to communicate with the public about this public health crisis that we've been in for almost a year now in the United States. I think that more will be revealed. And I hope that that is true of your own life as well. That may be something that you've been stewing on for a while or not knowing to progress forward or how to, how to work with things that it comes up for you. I think that's all I have to say about that. It's been an exciting start to the year. Uh, really looking forward to hear, hearing this interview with Mako Montherville. Stay tuned. Mako. 
Hey. Hey. Welcome to the SpaceCast. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell I'm happy to be here? Yeah, you sound smiling. I'm smiling. Yes, I'm smiling. Oh, Mako, how are you feeling? You said that you you went to go visit the, the doctor today and you got an all clear after having COVID. How does that feel for you? Well, um, I don't even have the words. I feel, I feel fantastic. First of all, for even having the opportunity to see a doctor because um, many people close to me know, I'm sure you know, um, that I, I didn't always have, um, I haven't had uh, health insurance. And so it hasn't always been easy for me to see a physician um, which is why I'm finally, I'm only now just seeing a doctor after being COVID free for what, five months now, four months, five. Um, so it felt great to go there. I was really nervous because um, today was a day that I was always also going to find out my blood work, the uh, results from my blood work. And so I was very nervous. Um, I didn't know what they were going to say, but um, they said everything looks good. <laughs> to keep it short, everything looks good, and I'm very, very grateful for that. What a big celebration! Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your your symptoms went on for six weeks, and I'm you know I I had a guest on recently who got it back in March, uh, living in New York City, um, and he still can't smell or taste. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> wow, that's unfortunate for him. Uh, my smell and taste came back because I, I had COVID for six weeks. And so my smell and taste went away, uh, like by day three, but then they came back maybe by week three or four. Um, but yeah, my COVID, my COVID, what episode I should call it? My COVID episode. (laughs) Your experience. Right, my experience. Yeah. I shouldn't call it episode because that's too. That sounds too uh, chirpy, too <laughs> too happy. <laughs> but um, my my COVID experience lasted six weeks. Ordeal, actually, I should say that's a better word. That's yeah. A great it lasted word for it. six weeks, um, and then I felt the after effects for probably six weeks after after that, if not more. Um, you know, the memory loss, uh, the confusion, the irritability, the, uh, yeah, being out of breath after taking two steps, all of that feeling weak, feeling like I'm 75 or something. Um, yeah. When you're in your early thirties and it just, yeah, to be in a fever dream like that for so Mm -hmm. long, I'm just so glad you're okay. I mean, you're, you're in Florida which has been, you know, a hotbed through the duration of this year. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not here to like talk to you about COVID, (laughs) but it's a real thing. Like this is the times that we're living in is that you experienced it. And it, and it was a, it was a big hardship for you and your health and your family. Um, I think you moved during it. Um, Yes. I mean, I mean, how can we not talk about COVID? You know, how disingenuous would we be, you know? Um, yeah, I, I moved 
twice actually <laughs> actually i moved three times <laughs> because uh, so, yeah without getting into too much there was a you know about this there was a, a period of time where I, I was experiencing some housing insecurity, and so I got sick, and I didn't want the people I was staying with to get sick, so I ended up having to move into a place where I could isolate alone, and then from there, I moved to another place where I could finish isolating alone, um, mm-hmm. and now I'm where I'm at now, and so I've moved four times, if we're being honest, during COVID, so... Um, it's it's been quite the 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 ride, but I'm I'm here on the other side of it. Uh, hopefully, it's I'll be, it'll be better from here on out. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're on this big precipice <clears throat> of change in your life, and I I think that what an opportunity to look back and to look forward into you know the challenges that have shaped your life, the soil that you came from. Yeah. And all the opportunities ahead that have kind of come to fruition out of that space of self. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I'd love to hear, you know, your, your take on, on your journey, like whatever you want to share about your experience. I mean, you, you identify as a black Haitian American mm-hmm. gay man living in Florida during a pandemic. And you're about to embark on, um, you know, you're, you're writing articles now, you're going to be teaching for a month and then, making a big move across the country during a pandemic to endeavor into a whole new career field for yourself. So what's behind you, Mako? Like your birthday's coming up on the 28th. You're an Aquarius <laughs> sun sign. Like I, I just, I, I, I love you and I want to hear your story. <laughs> um, where do I start? Well, I, I come from a Haitian family. Um, I'm the son of firstborn son of, immigrant parents from Haiti, um, very, very Christian community, very Christian household, um, and needless to say, very, very homophobic, very close-minded, at least as I see it, very close-minded. Um, and so that's where I grew up as a queer child, um, and then a queer teenager, um, you know, became a teenager and suddenly I had to become the man of the house for several years from my teen years all the way into my young adulthood. Um, and so it, it was never easy for me being queer and being Haitian and being Christian. Um, but, you know, I, I survived. I did my best. I found ways to still honor my identity I found ways to hide my identity so that I could survive. And so it was also always both trying to hide and in trying to honor myself at the same time. Um, but here in my very early 30s, this is finally my first time kind of ripping myself away from, um, you know, untethering myself from this community that, that I was raised in. And uh, I've, I've always felt a calling for healing work, creative work, expressive work. That's just who I am. Um, and very recently, actually, I grew up, I grew up wanting to be a massage therapist growing up. I loved, I, didn't uh, know that. I loved, I loved <laughs> giving massages to 
my parents, my friends, family friends, my my sister. And, you know, they tell me how good I was at it. But as you know, I sing and I write. And so I was always doing that instead. But lately, um, with my psychology background and my background in uh, uh, substance abuse work that I sort of left behind for a couple years, um, I've just realized... Did you work as a counselor, as like yes, a drug counselor? Yes. Or? I was. I was. Where were you when I needed you, Michael? <laughs> yes, I. I'm teasing. Yeah. So, where where did you study psychology? That was your undergraduate yes, program. Yes, I for undergrad I studied psychology, um, at South University. It's here in Florida, and um, for my grad school, I went and studied uh, communications and media studies because at that point I said to myself okay enough enough uh, drug counseling substance abuse counseling let's do something else but then lately um, in the last year and a half or so I've been feeling called to do to do healing work to work with people Mm -hmm. it's where I'm most comfortable it's what people assume about me readily assume about me when they meet me they already think I do this stuff and so I thought you know let me move out west and go to massage school get my license and help people who need uh, healing through touch that's mm-hmm. so incredible <laughs> what did touch mean to you as a child you know you I didn't know that about you that you always had sort of a calling uh-huh. towards that either that movement. It may not have known to be a profession when you were a child. Right. Um, um, well, touch is one of my love languages, I, I should say, I have to say. But mm. growing up, because I, I grew up in a Haitian household, uh, the boundaries are different in our culture. Um, the values are different, needless to say. Um, and so our sense of personal space is different than the American western idea of uh personal space we touch each other a lot we're very close to each other physically we we sit right on top of each other sometimes literally (laughs) um you know if something's on your face someone's gonna come wipe it off for you we touch each other a lot um and so touch has all always been important to me whether i realized it or not but where I really realized it was last year during COVID when uh, the pandemic for me basically started in March, you know, early March, I think for everyone. Um, right. And by, by April, I was realizing, wow, I haven't hugged my mom in a month. I don't, you know, I don't remember oh. what my mom, what my mom's skin feels like. Um, and it was really, really hard. it was really really hard for me and that's when I truly realized that uh one of my love languages if not my main love language is is touch and I realized the the importance of touch and how much I wanted to be touched and to touch others um now that's not what made me say oh yeah I'm gonna go study massage therapy but it's like all of these things came together and so it made it made sense You've been going through this huge blossoming experience. And, you know, I have to note that 
you know, Aquarius in astrology is often associated with the late bloomer. Oh, I don't know if you were aware of that. And it's, it's, um, it's just later in life that things start to come into fruition later in life. And this, this doesn't say anything about your cultural upbringing. Um, I, I wish that my family would have been as touchy as it sounds like yours was and is. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like I want to ask you so much more about like what, what it was, what it was like, what, you know, when were you born in the United States? Like I have so many questions <clears throat> about that. Well, I, I was born in New York. I was born in New York, and then uh, shortly thereafter, we moved to Haiti because that's where my family was based. And then uh, a few years into my childhood, we moved back to the States. But we moved into mm -hmm. a Haitian community. And so in many ways, it's, it's as if I grew up in Haiti because I grew up around a lot of Haitians, not only Haitians, but a lot of Haitians. And so that was our culture. We touched each other. But it wasn't all, always love. I have to be honest. It wasn't always loving touch because Haitians do mm. spank their kids. <laughs> they do spank their kids and all of that. And sometimes it can feel, well, you know, for me, beating a child is abusive because I, I think there are other ways. Um, but we, we touch each other a lot, you know. It was only in school that I learned, oh, it's not okay to just it's not okay to just reach over and, and, you know, touch someone's skin or to reach over and fix someone's collar without asking them. <laughs> because in, in my culture, it's, it's seen as helping. You're helping. You're showing love. You're mm -hmm. showing affection. Um, we, we kiss each other on the cheek. You know, when you walk into a party, you, you kiss everyone on the cheek. And that was a very hard thing for my culture uh, la all last year during, during the uh, pandemic because all of a sudden we couldn't kiss each other. Yeah, we couldn't kiss uh. each other. We couldn't shake hands. We couldn't hug. It was very, very hard. <clears throat> but I, you, you just said something that I had no idea um, about. I didn't realize that uh, uh, Aquarius was associated with being a late bloomer, which I definitely identify as. I mean, look at me. I'm finally moving away from my, from my, uh, my community, and my in my early thirties. So, <laughs> if that's not a late bloomer, I don't know what is. <laughs> All my friends went away to college, came back. Everyone, yeah, everyone's lived in other places, other countries, and I, I stayed right here for the most part. I traveled when I needed to, but this mm -hmm. is my first time truly leaving. So I know what being a late bloomer is about. And to be honest, I'm not always proud of it. There's some shame around it that I'm still working through. But um, yes, that's me. <laughs> I feel like you have the wherewithal to, to see yourself where you're at and as, as a part of the process, just like you would be for me. You know, I feel like I've been a late bloomer because of how addiction affected my uh -huh. early upbringing and my emotional development because I, I started using substances so early. So I, I identify with you in that level of finding who I am mm -hmm. in my 30s versus when I was 22 years old, I knew exactly who I was. I don't wish right. that upon anyone. 
But to hear you go through this liberating, terrifying, proud process of leaving home. And, and earlier we talked about, you know, in, in Haitian and Haitian culture that you don't leave your home unless oh, you're yeah. married. And that being gay has been the biggest problem culturally because it's been denied of, of your identity. Oh, yes. Um, well, for me, it's first of all, it's it's both sometimes. Sometimes I'm proud. I'm I'm proud of myself. Um, I'm proud of where I am in my life because I've still accomplished so much. I've done so much. I feel, um, but like mm-hmm. you said, there's there's a reason. At least in my mind, I always tell myself there's a reason why why I've been here so long. I was taking care of my family. I started taking care of my family when I was 15 years old, <laughs> um, and it hasn't stopped. Um, it's just only now gotten to the point where I feel like, okay, I can, I can sort of move on now. And so there's a reason why I didn't get to do a lot of the things that my peers got to do, but still, even when you intellectualize things and you rationalize things or reframe things for yourself, um, there can still be that underlying sense of shame, especially if you're bombarded every day with messages telling you, this is where you should be as a man. This is where you should be as a man in America. This is what you should have. This is, these are the places you should have gone and visited by now. This is how much money you should have in your bank account, you know? Um, but, uh, well, I'm forgetting the the thing you said about um, my growing up queer or gay. <laughs> what did you say? how that's impacted your ability to leave home because you didn't leave unless you were married in a heterosexual marriage. Yes, 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 yes. Um, That, that probably played my, my uh, orientation or my sexuality definitely played a played a role in my not leaving home early because my parents were so worried that, you know, he's leaving our home to go, you know to go live with a man probably is that what he's gonna do and I'm like no I'm just looking at colleges that I might be interested in (laughs) um yeah that when when you're when you're queer um and I keep saying queer because I'm trying to include uh other Haitians like me who may not be gay or you know but what I want to say is when you're queer and you grow up in a environment where you're not allowed to be queer um you're like everything is affected by your queerness or not really by your queerness but by people's refusal refusal to accept who you are and to accept your queerness and so even if to to outsider something may not seem related to my queerness it was still related somehow so Yes, on the surface, I didn't I didn't leave home because I had things to do, but I also didn't leave home because I knew my parents would be worried. They they would think I was I was gonna go live with some guy or something. <laughs> when did you get sent to conversion therapy? Like when did you know you were gay? When did you come out to your family? And what was that experience like for you? Um well, I've known since I was three years old. 
I just thought it was the most normal thing. And I thought every, every boy was like me. Um, so I never, I never knew the word, the word gay. I just thought every boy was same gender loving and every girl was same gender loving and people just did what they, people just went where they felt drawn to. That's what I thought up until I got to, uh, about the third or fourth grade, then I realized that there was a word called gay and that it was definitely not a good thing, um, according to the people who were asking me if I was gay. Um, and so I immediately realized that, yeah, whatever this is, I definitely don't want to be it, but I think I am it. And, um, as I got older, I was really involved in the church, still a child, but older than, you know, nine years old. I, I was very involved in the church and I began to, to hate my, my uh, sexuality. I began to beg God to change me, um, beg God to change me, making all kinds of deals with God, asking him to change me. Um, yeah, threatening to take my own life if he didn't change me. So that went on for a while because I, I being like gay was the last thing I wanted to be. That was the very, very last thing I wanted to be, even though I knew I was. Um, but it all, it didn't come out until I was about 18 or 19. That's when, that's when uh, my parents came to, to know about it. And immediately I was just, you know, I was just asked to, to look up some schools or some programs or therapy or something because I needed to change. Um, now, I wasn't forced. I don't want to make it sound like I was forced because at that point, I didn't want to have anything to do with my sexuality. I would have done any, everything, anything to um, rid myself of it. And so I... I I gladly looked up different programs and we found a convert, a conversion therapy sort of camp counseling session thing <laughs> program that I was, I was enrolled in and had to go to. And, you know, my mom was in the support groups for the families and everything. Um, but still, even though I, I wanted to go because I, I wanted to get, you know, quote unquote better, but there was still a, there was still an underlying sadness because I knew I was rejecting myself. I knew it meant that the adults in my life or the older people in my life had rejected me for who I am, for who I was. <clears throat> so that that hurt very much. Um, but then much later, or several years later, when I was twenty five, is when I, when I truly said, okay, this is who I am, mom and dad. And you're just going to have to accept it because this is who I am. You're not, you're not getting a, a grandchild, at least not the way you think you're going to get it. So get that out of your mind. I'm not going to get married, at least not in the way you think I'm going to get married. So you can forget that. Um, I, was, I was 25 when that happened. <clears throat> What moved you to a place of acceptance of self, Mako, after this 
this whole childhood and teen years of self-loathing, which is not uncommon, <laughs> but this is so much deeper, I think, oh, in your story. It's a journey. You never arrive. I don't, <laughs> you never arrive. It's a, it's a dance. It's a constant uh, struggle. Sometimes you feel like you're there and other times it's as if you're back to what it was when you were that teenager crying, begging God to change you. It, it all depends on the messages you receive that day and the people you have in your life and how affirming they are and how uh, supportive they are and what work you're doing towards your healing. It's really a journey. I can say today, I'm more, the very fact that I'm even able to uh, talk about this to you on <laughs> on record like this shows that I, 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 I'm healing, but it's a journey. You're never there. <clears throat> You're never completely there. And so I have days where I where I'm feeling more confident in who I am. And then I have other days where I have to catch myself and remind myself, oh, there's nothing, you know, it doesn't matter if someone knows what your orientation is like your family already knows and you already know and you've already said that you're okay with it so what's to be afraid of you know those messages that you talk about um you know hetero facing heteronormative patriarchal toxic masculinity um, I mean, that makes me think of the Instagram account that you started that is gaining traction called Men Who Feel. And I'd love to hear about where this came from, because you had I mean, you still have such a strong presence on Twitter <clears throat> and on Instagram under observation, which is I love I love that name. I'll have to uh, type that out so people can see it. Um but men who feel organically emerged from a space of responding to these messages that you're receiving that yes. we're not enough. Um, I guess men who feel is uh, what I call now my, my safe space on social media. And it's also my space where I welcome people who are like me and who are interested in, um, who are interested in breaking some of these barriers and breaking some of these chains, as I call them, that I'm interested in breaking. So last year, well, actually, let's take a step back. Growing up, I've always been, um, and certainly into my teen and my early 20s, my teen years and early 20s, I've always been interested in and just meant like how men function and how they socialize and um, the things that we're afraid of as men and how we relate to each other and why we we tend to be so afraid of vulnerability and um, how patriarchy is hurting us. And so on my regular Twitter observation and my regular Instagram, sometimes I'm very vocal Sometimes I even sound angry when I'm talking about patriarchy and all of that stuff. But then I would, while doing that, I would find memes, memes that appeal to the gen, the, a man who's more gentle or a man who, a man who's more in touch with his feelings. And I would save these memes and I would send them to my friends who are men. And some, and that would be my way of saying, 
I wish I wish we could be like this. I wish our friendship would have this sort of tenderness. I wish we related to each other and spoke to each other in these ways. Um, and some of them would be responsive. Like your partner, Tim, he's all about that stuff. So if I send him a meme and say, this reminds me of you, next thing you know, we're on FaceTime having a conversation about it. But then some of my other friends, guy friends, if I send them, you know, some meme about vulnerability, it's a huge thing. And they're so uncomfortable by it. And, <laughs> and eventually I just got tired and I said, you know what, I'm going to just instead of having these memes on my phone that I'll never really send, or um, instead of bombarding Timothy's phone with these memes, <laughs> let <laughs> right. Get out of my DMs, Marco. Let me just have a place <laughs> where I can just put all of them. I'll share people's screenshots. I'll share screenshots of p other people's posts. Um, anything that's going to help men break free of these chains, this this uh this tendency to run away from intimacy when with other men when it's clearly what we want and need um let me just put them all on this page and let me my content mostly is the captions because everything else belongs to someone else and i and i'll credit them but usually for the most part it's just my captions i try to you know i try to say to explain what 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 a picture may mean to me or what I'm applying, how I'm applying a certain thing, a certain idea into my life. And so basically men who feel is really about the things I'd like to see for myself um, in terms of how I relate to myself, in terms of my relationships with other men in my life, um, and in terms of how I want to see how I want to see men relate to each other. It's about healing, really. Um, I had no idea it would gain the traction that it's gaining. Um, I think when I told you and Timothy about it, uh, you guys were my first few followers. And that was only, that was last year, um, maybe eight months ago. And now we have a couple mm -hmm. thousand followers. Um, and it's growing and people are being helped. That's the most beautiful thing for me is that when I read the comments and people are tagging their husbands, tagging their sons and tagging their best friend and people are, you know, people are really opening up in the comment section. Um, now it feels really, really worthwhile. Before it, it was a scrapbook and, but now I feel like this is, this is work. I, the work is working too. <clears throat> How much time do you spend every day working on your social um, media? Well, because I'm a normal human like most humans, <laughs> I spend a lot of time on social media, probably too much. But specifically with men who feel, um, I try to keep it really natural and organic. Um, because I'm a creative, I try to be mindful of when things start I'm very sensitive to when things start feeling like a chore. As soon as things start feeling like a chore, then I mm -hmm. fall in love with, with them and I, I, and I move on. And I really don't want to do this with men who feel. And so I try to post one or two posts a day. But if, if there's a day where I feel like I'm forcing it, then I just leave it alone. But to answer your question, I, I, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll, 
I, I usually have a couple screenshots saved up and I'll, I'll pick one. And sometimes I'll look for something that's appropriate for that specific day. For example, yesterday I posted pictures of Martin Luther King laughing. Um, but instead of preaching about Martin Luther King, I just encourage men to lean into their playful side, their playful side and their, their inner child and to allow themselves to smile and laugh more. <laughs> that was yesterday's. Um, yeah, that, that takes I me love that. Um, about 15 minutes. Um, if I'm writing a longer caption or if something requires a little bit of, of research, it, it may take me more time. And then, of course, people start commenting, so I may revisit and uh, inter interact with a couple of them. I try not to spend too much time because I don't want to be sucked into it too much. I also want to be present in my real life, living my real life, so that I can keep pouring into men who feel from a very healthy place. Um, I never want to be one of those people who get burnt out because they're so dedicated to to their social media page. I think that would be anti whatever message I or whatever conversations we have at Men Who Feel. I think it's such a genuine um, offering. I think offering is the only word that I can come up with to describe the way uh -huh. that the, the, the account feels. And we're all relying on mm -hmm. social media to nourish us in a way that is lacking in our social uh -huh. abilities at this time. Um, and I, I just want to know, you know, because you, you are such an intellect, you know, I, I love, I love the way your mind works and how you communicate. And I know what a thoughtful person you are and hearing that you're about to go to massage school like, I want to know what your relationship is with kind of that heady space that social media and these abstracts kind of take up and how you feel like you'll be able to relate doing more of a physical connection after being um, starved of it for so long now. Well, for me, it's weird because people, people often see me or see me as an intellect, but I just know I do, I do things with so much heart. Like I bring so much heart and so many feelings into everything and such passion that sometimes I, I worry that I'm not using my intellect enough and that I'm using my, my feelings and my heart too much sort of thing. But um, to, to answer your question, I, I'm very much looking forward. I'm looking forward to have, you know, bodies on the table that I can help heal by touching them. It's been so long. Today, I went to the doctor. <laughs> like we were saying earlier, I went to the doctor. And for some reason, I don't know. I've never had a doctor do, do this to me. He went and started to give me like a shoulder massage, but not really. He was just resting both his hands in that position. Like when you give someone a neck rub or a shoulder massage. And just his hand resting on me felt so good and it was at that moment that i realized that i don't think i don't think anyone's really touched me since march 2020 and i mean that like no one no one's 
no one's done that to me since March 2020. And here we are in January 2021. And I just remembered how healing it felt just for it was maybe 30 seconds that he did that for. But I just remembered how good it felt. And I said, yes, this is what I need to be doing. I want other people who need this to feel this. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, it'll give me an opportunity to sort of, and actually, I have to say, Men Who Feel is is helping me too. It's helping prepare me for this sort of work. It's helping soften me up and it's helping me open up. Like if you if you look at my early posts from last year, they're more general posts, you know, just... Um, yeah, general posts, general encouraging, motivational kind of things, kinds of things. But now I'm getting, I see that in the comment and the uh, captions, I'm becoming more, um, I'm sharing more of my experience without giving too much away um, or without giving too much that's sacred to me, but I'm still able to open up a little more. So for example, today, I think I spoke about uh, communication and so, you know, I talked about myself and mistakes that I make when I when I communicate. And so I can tell that it's helping me, like it's helping me open up. It's helping me um, become more vulnerable. And um, I think that's great because can I really ask people to come lie on my table and <laughs> be vulnerable with me and allow me to um, be intimate and serving them in that way if I myself can't be vulnerable? You know, so it's helping me a lot. And I, I can't wait till I'm able to apply all that I'm help, all that I'm learning and discovering with the community. That's that's part of that page now. I, I feel like you hold space for people in such a. Uh... Mm -hmm. a generous way. I don't know how else to describe it. You know, I just, I know that when we met, when I spoke, I felt <clears throat> like you were listening. And I felt like when you spoke that you, you were gentle enough, like, okay, I'm going to take up space mm -hmm. here and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to go on for as long as I need to. And I remember remarking on that uh, while we were doing high lows, you know, when we were hanging out, like, oh. Oh, what was your high for today? What was your low for today? And, and that I, I just felt, um, I felt so safe in your audience. And that was because you offered so much of yourself and such oh. generosity of yourself in that space. So I think, I think that you're in right alignment. And as a, you know, as a fellow healer, you know, as someone who um, does energy work on bodies, laying on of hands, which is the practice of Reiki, I absolutely um, harmonize or resonate with what you're sharing about you, you can't you can't just be a function there has to be a right. participation in the process right um well thank you first of all thank you i'm glad you feel that way about me i i feel that way about you too uh, i have to say i don't i don't think i've always been a good listener I, i've been very i've always been very observant and very intuitive and perceptive, but I think it's because I needed to be that way to survive. Because when you're not, when you constantly have to be uh, monitoring the way you're walking, the way you're talking, and the way you're sitting, um, you learn how to you learn how to watch out for people. You learn how to 
pick up on cues really quickly. But that never meant that I was a good listener. Um, it's been it's been very uh, it's been very recent since uh, I've started to really work on trying to listen to people better. And I have to credit my close friends like you and Timothy, <laughs> um, people who who are able to demonstrate some of these things that I felt like I was lacking, just sitting and listening to someone um, mirroring back whatever they're saying to you and sort of uh, reassuring and offering a safe space, offering a soft landing for them too when they're talking. So um, it's something that I'm working on and I'm glad it appears that it's working, but I, I'm working on being a, a, a better listener because I've often my whole life, I never really felt like anyone heard me, you know, I never, for a long time, I didn't, I've never, I never felt heard, I definitely didn't feel understood. And I never want, I don't want anyone to feel that way. And if they do feel that way, I, I at least want to know that they have, that they have someone like me, <laughs> who's willing to listen. So, um, yes. Oh, absolutely. Because you understand what it's like to be on that end of it. And see, so I mean, that even mm -hmm. that term, you know, observation that you have for your handle and, mm -hmm. and to hear you talk about being an observer. And I, I connect with voyeurism in a deep mm -hmm. way because I felt so alienated as a kid. Um, and it, it sounds like that was a big piece of it. If you watch other people so you uh -huh. can anticipate their responses or reactions to you. That sounds it so exhausting. exhausting. But oh, you don't no, realize I, that I... it's exhausting until you get into a situation where you no longer have to do that. And then it's kind of like when you get into a situation, and when I'm saying situation here, I really mean relationships, um, healing relationships. And so when you don't have to do that sort of thing anymore, it's kind of like, you know, those memes where people don't know where to put their hands, you know, that feeling where you're like, oh, I, it's awkward. I don't know what to do. Like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do if I'm not changing the way I sit and the way I act? You mean I can be myself? So, um, <laughs> so yes, it is exhausting. But I have to say, you don't realize, or at least I didn't realize how exhausting how uh, exhausting it was until I was no longer exhausted. So it was like, oh, this is what it feels like to just be myself and and have it be okay, you know. Do you have any advice for anyone that, that may relate to that experience that you're describing? You know, cause I, I would tell them, Oh, you should meditate, you know, with more words than that. But I'd love to hear what your take on, <laughs> you know, the, the cure for this um, sense of I, discomfort. I don't know that I would call it advice uh, because like I said, it's, I'm still on this journey. Um, and that's something I'll always keep with me, I think. I never want to present as someone who has these answers, especially. Um, but what I would say is I would remind someone going through that that they're not alone. And I would encourage them, if they find an opportunity, to, to build a safe relationship with someone. Like if someone seems like, you know, someone shows up with love and they recognize it as love, I would invite them or encourage them to open themselves up to that. Um, and they would be helped that way. Because for me, the biggest 
the biggest i i meditate now um you know i i journal i i i'm in therapy i do a lot um but for me what's been most healing has been safe relationships um and so i'd i'd encourage anyone feeling alone anyone feeling awkward anyone feeling like they can't be themselves to at least make themselves available for the ability of finding a community or um building healthy friendships mm-hmm. that word safe relationships i don't know if i've heard that term before and it yeah. just flooded over me when you said it um I- do you, do you feel like most of your community has been found online at this point? I mean, I know that you found the school out West um, and you're building a community from across the country. I mean, you're going to be moving to the opposite end of the, of the continent, you know? Um, well, how, how is that um, feeling for you? Out of all my close friends, I think only there's only one of them I met. I met the normal way as i would call it because i met her in school when we were little and we just stayed friends everyone else i I've, i've met online even timothy whom i I'm, i'm very close to your partner i didn't meet him online but i met him through i met him at a retreat that i found online and my other really close friends i met on twitter and we've just stayed in touch and talked on the phone and zoomed and you know if we're able to see each other we make a way um so yeah my entire for me that 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 just speaks to that just speaks to how alienated i felt in my own community <laughs> that all my friends would be people that i met online um i'm forgetting the question you even asked <laughs> No, it's it, I I think that you you sort of uh, are responding uh-huh. to a, an a open-ended question about um the nature of of finding community, finding the people that you resonate with, that you feel the closest with. And I'm I'm a strong believer that that the internet, that the fiber optics, the silica that connects mm-hmm. all of us through this, you know, invisible energy oh, yeah. is very much conscious. And I, I truly believe that the internet is helping us to connect with the people that we resonate with, the uh-huh. frequency, the string theory, whatever you want to call it. And I mean, even you finding, um, if I can mention Farminary, that you found this program and that's how you got connected with Timothy. And I mean, that was such a, a breakthrough Changed moment, I think, for Completely. you in 2019. Changed my life. <clears throat> um if for nothing else, for giving me one of my best friends, Timothy. So, um, and all of that happened online. I mean, eventually I, I, went, I actually went to a place, a location, and I met Timothy and spent time with him. And, you know, we've, we've spent time together um, since then. And he, he's so good at that. Timothy's so good at this being a man thing, honestly. <laughs> but, um he's so good about making sure that we spend time together and we were, we're in touch and he's checking in and I'm checking in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all been because of the internet. 
the school that I found was because of the internet, the, the neighborhood I'm moving to, the, my, my therapist, the place I'm going is where my therapist lives. And so this entire time I've been doing virtual therapy <laughs> and I met my therapist via Facebook, actually via Zoom. Um, so yeah, the internet is very powerful. I, I really don't have too many bad things to say about the internet. <laughs> how do you feel like your relationship is with technology i mean i I guess like aquarians the the modern ruler of aquarius is the planet uranus which is very electrical Mm -hmm. and often associated with futuristic technology and i remember we spent a day at the beach and you were on your phone like communicating with the world you know we were in the sand that made the silica that made the internet that made your phone you know all that stuff so i i i guess that how do you feel like your relationship is with it you love the internet but, um, but do you do you struggle with it ever well it's weird because i i often think of myself as an old soul and i i i i feel like i live in the past um, when I had my own place, it, I filled it up with antiques and such. <laughs> I love history and all that stuff. But uh, the internet, specifically media, allows me to find people who are like me. That's the thing. I have a feeling that if if all of you who are my friends, if we all lived in the same town, I don't think I'd ever pick up my phone. But the internet has been so instrumental in finding and helping me find people who are like me because growing up I I never knew anyone who who was like me. I never knew anyone who had my my same interests, not in music, not in TV shows, nothing. I was always I've always felt different. And the only I started finding people who are like me when I started using social media. Um so that's my relationship with uh, technology. It's a tool for me to find people who feel like home, really. Um, and so I, I use it like people used bars back in the day. I, I use it if I see someone I like or I see someone whose vibe I, or energy I feel attracted to, I, I approach them and, you know, I try to initiate a conversation with them. And, you know, if it works out, we become friends. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> That sounds like an appropriate I, I usage of it. Then. I try. I, think that's I, I really beautiful. try. I, it's I inspiring. Really don't want to be. Yeah. You know, you hear stories about someone's become so consumed by the internet that they're now depressed about it. They're depressed because of it because they're not getting enough traction on their page or enough people are not liking their posts. And I've said to myself, I never, you know, I I have enough trouble troubles in my real life and I've had enough you know I don't want to add that (laughs) so I use it to I use it to have conversations with my friends and um to really express you know because if I'm not singing then I'm writing if I'm not writing then I'm sharing something you'll see my pages there's there's always some element of creativity and wherever I can I try to marry all of them um you know, even on men who feel like if you ever look at the stories that I put up on my IG stories there, sometimes I'll 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 post something in the IG story and then I'll I'll 
I'll uh, insert my favorite song, like a Nina Simone song there. Like, and that's me, you know, that's me kind of acknowledging my love for music because I have a big thing about not leaving music behind. I always, I always, I'm always so afraid that that might happen or that I'm neglecting that part of myself. And so, um, yeah, the internet is my notebook. It's where, it's where I practice my writing. It's, it's my scrapbook. It's, yeah, it's my, it's my bedroom wall with all my posters on there. That's what it is to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mata, do you think you could sing something for us? Uh, is that well, who's gonna say much? no? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not an asshole enough to just say no. I will not sing. Let me see. Uh, <clears throat> I'll I'll sing something. All right, here it is. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper, I love you. Birds singing in a sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me. Say nighty night and kiss me. Just hold me tight and tell me you miss me while I'm alone as blue as can be. Dream a little dream of me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yay, I'm clapping. <laughs> Oh, sweet human. I wish you so much luck and blessings. Um, your your birthday's mm-hmm. coming up next week and all this exciting change. And I am here to love and support you from far away or uh, <laughs> Timothy and I'll drive across the country and come help you get settled in your new home. But it's been a real blessing sharing Likewise, this evening with you. you. All and those thank you so much for making words time for us. I send back to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> sending Mako so many blessings and well wishes on his journey out west uh, to continue his process of becoming what a beautiful soul Um, you can find and follow Mako at observation o-b-s-e-r-v-h-a-i-t-i-a-n so it's observation (laughs) or at Men Who Feel, uh, which is the alternate account that we talked about today. Um, I just have to say, I think that if you feel so inspired um, by this human story, please hit up Mako on on Venmo, Mako Montherville. Uh, you can find him at PayMako, P-A-Y-M-A-C-O, at PayMako on Venmo. Uh, Just toss him some coin uh, if you have that uh, ability to do so uh, to support this incredible, incredible person. That's all I have for today, folks. This is Ren. You can follow me at Lauren K. Hickman on Instagram. 
Uh, You can find me at energyinterpreter.com if you feel like booking an appointment or getting a written report for a friend. Uh, I provide content on Instagram and here at the Inspired Astrology Podcast from the the depths of my being. So any support, any tips are appreciated either by booking, sharing, and supporting this work at Venmo, Lauren K. Hickman. And I wish you all such a beautiful rest of your Aquarius season. Uh, Next week, we'll have Kellina Clarkson sharing her story of uh, evangelical youth that transformed into um, sort of the flight of the phoenix, becoming becoming the adult version of herself. And uh, I hope that you stay inspired.